Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. In today's Torah study in Numbers 13 through 15, there were leaders, people of God, in the children of Israel that forgot they were more than conquerors. And so this week in Torah portion number 37, we're going to study this a little bit. This what's unaffectionately, ineffectionately known as the sin of the spies. And hopefully we're going to glean some things uh, so we won't make the same mistakes. We can use God's wisdom uh, and uh, uh, get the experience uh, that God wants us to have in our mind so we don't go out and uh, uh, go to the school of hard knocks. Anybody been to the school of hard knocks? We all have been there, and that's not really that fun. It's like you're in detention. Uh, and so uh, I thought, well, uh, we'll entitle this sermon uh, this morning, Have You Been Your Own Worst Enemy? And this is all out of the sin of the spies. And, you know, uh, we if you've been in the church, the word of faith, full gospel type of movement, you've probably heard this story and sermon preached a few times in, in your years in church. It's how Israel missed out on their destiny because they listened to the wrong voices. And uh, you might recall that uh, Moses sent in 12 leaders uh, into Israel before they came in. After coming out of Egypt, they're on their way to the promised land. Here they are, and Moses selects 12 men of renown, full of uh, wisdom, full of leadership anointing. And yet 10 of the 12 uh, came back with an evil report, a negative report. Uh, And they spoke uh, words of fear and words of doubt uh, over the people. And so not only were ten of the twelve, the majority, just filled with the wrong spirit, they uh, infected, like a pandemic, all of Israel with the wrong spirit. Everybody got stirred up into a frenzy, and they began to react irrationally. It wasn't reasonable for them to think the way that they started to think. Uh, But because uh, they made that uh, grievous error, it cost them the promised land. It cost them their destiny. Now look, Moses uh, originally sent these spies on a recon mission to help prepare the nation to possess the land. He didn't ask them to go in and decide whether they could conquer the land. That was already settled by the word of the living God. So they kind of got confused into what their mission was. It never included deciding whether it would be impossible 
So open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so these spies, in effect, they overruled the Word of God with their own interpretation. Now this has some relevance to you and I today. Because the key battle in spiritual warfare is between these two ears. As Joyce Meyer called it, it's the battlefield of the mind. As our first pastor in Seattle, Casey Treat, called it, it's renewing the mind. And that's the battle. Because we all come into... Christianity at different stages, different levels, different backgrounds, different experiences. But the common denominator, once we're all here in the church, is supposed to be the Word of God. That's the bottom line. Right? And somehow the ten of the twelve forgot and then got everybody else whipped up in a frenzy. Don't hang around people that like to whip you up into a frenzy. Except if it has to do with unrighteousness. Because all it takes for unrighteousness to prevail in America is for Christians to sit around and do nothing. (laughs) What'd you do with your life? Nothing. (laughs) Okay, you get in that line. (laughs) All the faithful people that were bold and confident living by... You get in this line and all the uh, McFly type people get over here. It's interesting in that, in part, the the spies agreed uh, that uh, the land was just like God said it was. And then the famous three-letter word came out of their mouths. But! (laughs) Bertha, but! (laughs) But there's giants in the land. They're so big, they make us look like grasshoppers. So this is one of the most tragic events in Bible history, in Jewish history, because it affected everybody's destiny. It affected everybody's future. And, uh, and so God wants us to learn uh, some lessons out of this so that uh, we don't repeat the same mistake. History has a tendency to repeat itself. Uh, and if it's a good history, may it repeat itself. If it's, you're talking generational blessings, let it repeat itself. But if you're talking generational curses, somebody put their foot down and put a stop to this insanity. If there's any good news, it was that two of the twelve, Joshua and Caleb, saw things differently. They saw through the eye of faith. They came into agreement with the promises of God despite the majority wanting to rule. Truth doesn't require a majority. If you notice in the new Supreme Court, case that just came out where the uh, amen it was a good uh, life wins over death 
Amen. But all of the arguments on why this should have never happened, why we should have never gotten rid of Roe versus Wade, why did we? All of it was based on emotion and feeling. There wasn't a legal argument presented that I have heard. Somebody present the legal argument. Even Ruth. Bader Ginsburg knew that this was a flawed decision, and one day it was probably going to be overturned. And then some people went after her this week. It's her fault! So, uh, they're eating their own. (laughs) Don't get in the way of that. (laughs) Amen. I love what they said. The scripture says that they, uh, with, uh, they declared in front of everybody, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. That's faith talking. But the ten spies were not going to be convinced. They stressed the opposite point of view. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. All the people we saw there are huge. And we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so that day, the next day, all the people just worked on convincing themselves that the ten spies were right. The two, Joshua and Caleb, they're wrong. And these other ten yahoos, they're right. In fact... Here's what happens. You know how the misery loves company and how you can build the wrong momentum. So they sit around thinking about this. And the next day, not only did they agree that they couldn't take the land, uh, they started murmuring that uh, we never should have listened to Moses in the first place. And it says in Numbers 14.4, Let us appoint a new leader and go back to Egypt. My gosh. So you can see how uh, negativity can snowball. And uh, uh, it's like when Jesus said, You cast out a devil, and he goes into a dry place, into the wilderness, this is the picture of what happens on Yom Kippur, Uh, he'll come back to see if the door is still open, and when he comes back, he'll bring seven uglies with him. Meaning things will keep progressively getting worse until somebody in your family, probably you, rise up and says, enough is enough with all of this family curses and all of this negativity. Enough one step forward and five steps back. Enough living in poverty. Enough living in sin. Enough living broke, busted, and disgusted. We are going to rise up as a family. We are going to possess the promises of God. Come heaven or high water or come the other thing in high water. It's a spirit of faith. So it's, it's scary how public opinion can be so strong and influential that it sways good people. Good people. 
Why do bad things happen to good people? Because they're good people, but they get swayed, they get distracted, they get deceived, and they get off track. And we want, well, why did that happen? Go back and you probably, if we had uh, one of those cameras that are in every street corner following you around, we'd probably find, ah, there it was. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit is to help us find, there it is. And then you go out and you go kill that thing. You kill the weeds that try to choke out your harvest. I didn't even know I had weeds. (laughs) You got to be a good Christian farmer, right? Why aren't my, why am I not getting more and more harvest? Because the weeds come, the devil comes to choke the word. And a lot of times he does that like he does with the spies. He'll generate stress and worry and anxiety and doubt. And as that all builds negative momentum, it becomes overwhelming. And then, like I always say, you never want to be the last to know. If you, if you, have a, if you can include this in your prayer time, say, Father God, don't let me be the last to know that I'm missing something. All your friends see it. Your wife really sees it. So this leads us into this study that uh, it's not that uh, uncommon uh, to find some believers becoming their own worst enemy. Yeah, the devil gets involved, but uh, eventually he puts you on autopilot. And you just keep on lathering, rinsing, and repeating the wrong stuff. He's long gone, and uh, you don't even realize uh, that uh, subconsciously you're repeating the failures, you're repeating the mistakes, God open the eyes of our understanding and help us to see where we're going right and where we're going wrong. And God doesn't want to point out our mistakes to condemn us. That's not what he, uh, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to set you free. So that you would begin to have some self-awareness. God, help me to be self-aware. And look, it's a journey. We're all learning that. Some people are higher up on the ladder of success with this than others. But we're all headed in the same direction. You remember Pastor Greg. Uh, He... He preached something uh, several years ago that just I, I've never uh, forgotten. Uh, he talked about unbelieving believers. <laughs> and when he, when he said that, oh, man, that's good. In the, in the fact that many Christians are unbelieving believers. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Put your hand on I believe. You say the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, that this creed, that that creed, and you are born again and believe, but you don't believe. And you don't even realize it. And this is when Satan comes in and 
puts a fly in the ointment, you know, throws a monkey wrench in the gears, and it leads to a lot of self-inflicted problems that God wants to solve. God wants those things solved. That's the good news. God will solve it. But you can't go Frank Sinatra on God. You know Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. You can't, can't do the Frank Sinatra thing, right? Or else you're part of the what pack? The rat, <laughs> the rat pack. The problem with winning the rat race is you're still a rat. Amen. So, uh, fascinating article. I encourage you to read it. Uh, the late great rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was the uh, former chief rabbi in the United Kingdom. Uh, uh, I love reading his stuff. Brilliant man. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, he succumbed to cancer a few years ago, but all of his articles still remain because he's just such a revered rabbi. And uh, he wrote this essay called Seeing What Isn't There. Seeing What Isn't There. Uh, and he draws an amazing connection to being your own worst enemy with a form of psychotherapy. Oh boy, here we go. Psychotherapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is good. And so basically what this is all about is that this uh, brilliant uh, physician, psychotherapist, doctor, whatever... Uh, helps people, or helped, I think he's now deceased, uh, but his work carries on, uh, it helps people change the way they interpret events. And this is good Christian teaching when you stop and think about it, because, for instance, out of many scriptures, as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. As a man thinks, so is he. And so, if we always think about events in a negative way and interpret everything that happens in a negative way, that will lead to some negative uh, outcomes. And so, the man that discovered this uh, found his patient struggled because they always sized up situations in life in the most negative ways possible. To the point he says, of being fatalistic. The sky is falling! And so the person becomes chicken little and doesn't even realize it. It's just that now we're on autopilot. We're just reacting to circumstances, not by faith, not by saying all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now look, if stuff happens, it might stagger us, cause us kind of, oh man. But if it drops us to our knees, that might not be a bad thing. Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm trusting in you to cause all things to work together. Right? So... 
This blew my mind, uh, what he wrote. Uh, His work was to show patients how they think themselves into a condition called learned helplessness. They think themselves into learned helplessness. Uh, Another way you could put that, you think you're always a victim. Have you noticed the culture today is trying to get everyone stirred up thinking you've been victimized? Well, that may be the case in one sense, but that doesn't define who you are as a Christian. That doesn't define your destiny as a believer in the Most High God. Your destiny isn't rooted in what somebody did out there. It may have hurt, caused some pain, some suffering, some this, some that. No doubt those things were real. But if you live in that, and you just embrace that victimhood, you'll never have the victory. And... In this case, they thought themselves into it. So your mind is thinking a thousand miles a minute and boom, 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 boom. This thought, that thought, this thought. And the devil's heaping it on and throwing gasoline on the fire. And the next thing you know, you turned a molehill into a mountain. In essence, he found patience would distort and exaggerate every single situation. Everything. Always imagining the worst. Remember that song by Merz? I can only imagine. Yeah, that's what's going on here in reverse. I can only imagine the worst possible outcomes. And so people would begin to would keep telling themselves, I'm a failure. Nothing I ever try succeeds. I'm useless. Things will never change. I'm this, I'm that. And it's that defeatist attitude, the thoughts, the words, that become a default reaction. Where you just react to it by default, subconsciously. We need to, as believers, we need to cast down that kind of stuff. We need to get, uh, uh, take authority over that kind of stuff and realize that's why I'm not advancing. So, what goes on here, you can trace this all the way back uh, to childhood. Like we're, uh, our grandson, two years old, lives with us. He's lived with us since he was a baby. And every morning he's getting praise and worship. Every morning he's hearing prayers and we're saying prayers and we're being positive and uh, affirming and accepting and all these things and building a foundation for him to launch into his destiny. But imagine if it was just the opposite. Imagine if even from a child you were growing up and always being criticized. You were never good enough. You were always this and never that. You weren't like your brother. I wish you were more like your sister. I wish. And it's like, ah, I still hear those voices 48 years later. And God doesn't want that. 
God is saying, stop thinking yourself into that emotion, into those feelings. Stop rehearsing the curse. Break the curse and get set free. And go on and be more optimistic instead of pessimistic. Is this helping anybody? Anybody getting it? I know it's for someone you know. Boy, I wish, wish he was here today to hear this. So look, we've we all been through traumatizing events, right? No one's immune. Rule number one in life, people get hurt. I mean, it's just going to happen. But uh, it's not what happens to you that counts. That's like 10%. 90% is how you respond to it. Lord, fill me with a spirit of faith, with vision, with purpose, with destiny, based on the word of the living God, so that I respond to situations in my life with faith, with peace, with that knowledge that all things work together. My steps are ordered by the Lord. I don't care what the devil's trying to do somehow some way my mighty god is going to intervene and turn this thing upside down amen Amen. so uh they and i'll just give you a couple he went through a a list of ways people think that are trying to get out of this learned helplessness uh, and uh, it's distorted thinking, and uh, one of the things on the list is all-or-nothing thinking. And all-or-nothing thinking is everything is black and white, good or bad, easy or impossible. And this is what was going on with the spies. Their verdict on the possibility of taking the land was all-or-nothing, and they chose nothing. It was, if a man thinks he can, or if a man thinks he can't, he's what? He's right. And so the spies were right, even though they were wrong. They were convinced it couldn't be done, and there was no room for any other possibility. Why can't there be room for what Joshua and Caleb are talking about? Well, let's think about what they have to say. Come, let us reason together. But when you're caught up into this condition, you're just automatically conditioned to fly off the handle, blow an emotional gasket, and the sky is falling, the world is coming to an end. The spies could have said, well, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some... Challenges, but thank God we have courage. Thank God He is on our side. He has made this promise, so let's go in and take the land, boys and girls. And that leads you into another method they call negative filtering, where people automatically discount the possibilities and focus exclusively on the negatives. I just have negative thinking, tunnel vision to the negative. If anything, you and I as believers need to keep working at having tunnel vision for being positive. For having faith. For believing God. Amen. Turn and tell somebody, amen. Amen. The spies started 
with positives. The land is good. It's just like God said it was. But! (laughs) And so everything that was positive got canceled by the negative. It's like spraying, now, now pastor will always say DDT, but that's an old, uh, now it's Roundup. Spectricide. You're spraying spectricide ground killer on your harvest. And to counter that, it's just training, right? Training for raining. It's just reinforcing God's promises as often as possible, Right? Get your little chalkboard out. How many of you grew up when you had the chalkboard and if you screwed up with a mistake, the teacher would have you come up and start writing the same sentence 500 times after school, 500 times for you, Sigmund. <laughs> I did that a few times. You can either do that or you can get swats. I'll take the writing. A couple times I took the swats. Blame is another one on the list when it's always someone else's fault. It's Moses' fault. God, if you wouldn't have brought us this way, we would have never had this problem. And instead of just becoming response-able, response-able, God, I thank you, you've filled me with the Holy Ghost and power, and I am response-able. I am able to respond with faith, with confidence. I'm able to respond with the Word of God. I'm able to respond in a way that will please the Lord. But if you don't accept responsibility and just choose to do the blame thing, that messes you up. And this is what the people did in the wake of the evil report. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Right? It's all your fault. If only we could have stayed in Egypt. So when you get into these ways of thinking, you're on the road to learned helplessness. I'm learning how to be helpless. And whose plan is that? It's the devil's plan. All right? You're not powerless. You have the power of God, the life of God on the inside of you. You are not powerless. And you're not a victim of circumstances. When you keep working the Word and working the Word and working the Word and working the Word and working the Word, suddenly more circumstances will be under your feet instead of you being victimized by them. And even if stuff doesn't go right, you know, you don't just lose it and become a basket case. So researchers went on to discover if the patients became aware of these negative thoughts, if you became aware, oh my gosh, that's how I sound? They could see how unjustified their self-talk was. And then they could get some help to begin to have a more faith-filled, in our case, a realistic and faith-filled outlook on life. 
You be a, man, I need to have more faith than that, Scott. I can't be walking around like an unbelieving believer here. I got one right. Can I get another right? Can I get an amen? Can I get another amen? And this would lead to curing yourself. There's a cure for this. All right? And Romans 12, 2, the cure, renewing the mind. Right? Renewing the mind. Changing the way that we think about everything. And especially how we size up everything in our lives. It's amazing that later, when Joshua took charge and sent the spies in across the Jordan River down by Jericho. Uh, uh, they, you remember the story, the spies met that woman Rahab. And Rahab sheltered them and hid them and protected them from the uh, citizens of Jericho. And in Joshua 2, verses 9 through 11... She told them what the people that were inhabiting the promised land were really thinking. And it says, again, Joshua 2.9, I know that the Lord has given you the land. This is Rahab talking to the spies. This is the first time she meets them, but she knows that there's a Lord and the Lord has given you this land. And that the dread of you has fallen on us. It means they're the ones that are feeling bad. Oh my gosh, Israel's coming and heaven's coming with it. Or if you watch Tombstone, the other thing. And then it goes on to say, uh, all the inhabitants of the land will melt in fear before you, Israel. So this is what she's giving a report on what they're... So the spies are thinking just the opposite. They're thinking we're the ones with the uh, uh, that can't conquer the land, but it's actually they're in fear for their lives because they're about to be conquered and they know there's nothing they can do about it. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no courage left in any of us because of you, Israel. Wow. Kind of makes me think, is that really what's going on when we confront the devil? Does the devil kind of think, oh my gosh, my number's up with this family. Right? Because the devil has no power. Even if he goes about as a roaring lion, Jesus pulled out all of his teeth. But as Christians, we're letting the devil gum us to death. Stop that! But what a 180 degree difference. The spies had it all backwards. And a lot of unbelieving believers have it all backwards. It's not the devil with all the power. It's not the devil that's winning. It's not the devil that's more than a conqueror. It's not the devil that can do all things. It's not the devil who is the greater one. But because they were learning how to be helpless... They succumb to the wrong emotions and feelings. 
Now, it's interesting that God actually uh, includes the remedy in Numbers 15. Uh, it's part of the Modeani, uh, and uh, it, it's actually part of the Shema, Numbers 15, where God gives uh, the instructions on the Talit and the Zitzitz and the blue thread. And in Numbers 15.39, he, he says, and this is all part of this week's Torah study, says, when you see the tassels, the zitzits, you will remember and obey all the instructions of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you're prone to do. As you're prone to do. What are you prone to do? That's God's question for me, for you today. What are you prone to do uh, now that you're a born-again, tongue-talking, devil-casting-out, Bible-carrying, pew-jumping, praising-worshiping Christian? What are you prone to do? At the first sign of trouble, do you spew out the negative? Or do you, uh, even if you did just a little bit, call that, reel that back in. Wait a minute, Lord. Don't let me react the wrong way. Now look, natural human inclination, the human inclination makes us prone to following our natural feelings. But we are not to walk by feelings. Feelings. (laughs) We're to live with faith. Walk by faith. The just will live by faith. And faith is a muscle that needs to be developed. So if we blow it, make a mistake, we end up uh, manifesting the wrong emotions, don't condemn yourself. Just, God, forgive me. I repent of being stupid. God, just strengthen me right now like you strengthened Samson and let me go on and defeat the devil. And, you know, we can get into all the spiritual warfare things from there. But the main way you do this is Ephesians 6, right? The armor of God. Uh, what, what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. So the offensive weapon, right? You got one offensive weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. And that is the Word of God. Well, I know John 3.16, you might need to have a little more than John. If you know John, I love you, God bless you, that'll get you into heaven. We'll even give you one of those uh, uh, colored uh, uh, rainbow wigs, and you can sit in the end zone of heaven with a sign, John 3, you made it! But if you're not going to heaven today... Anybody going to stick around to the end? Anybody going to live a long, prosperous, blessed, quality life? And if Jesus should tarry and He doesn't come for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, you still going to be alive and kicking? Not just surviving, but thriving? Yeah, okay then. I like that. All right. So... Here's the rub on being your own worst enemy. 
Whatever spiritual restoration that God has won't manifest unless you get involved. When's God going to do something? (laughs) Yeah, He's looking for a partner in faith. right? You're not a puppet. You have a free will. You get to decide all these things. And it, it can get pretty intense because some people come out of a more intense background. I come out of a nice, loving, everybody had a halo in my house, and we were all just so loving and kind. There was no dysfunction. There was no insanity. It was just leave it to Beaver, Ozzy, and Harriet, and uh, whatever, Full House. I've never seen Full House. No, I came from a dysfunctional family just like you. We had major, major issues. And uh, now we got born again in 1984. Uh, Now I have an exemption card. Not. (laughs) Still got to fight this thing. Right? Because uh, your spirit's been reborn, but your physical body will still try to take you in directions you don't want to go. Your feelings will come up. Nostalgia will come up. Memories will come up. And the devil will try to keep you living in your your past. So uh, the rub on this thing is you need to partner with God. Fervently. And for this to happen, the first thing you're going to need to do is figure out what weeds are in my garden. Because I need to kill some weeds. I need to get that roundup, that spectricide, and put it not on the spray, but I need to have a la- the stream. I always put mine on the stream instead of the spray so I can hit right in the heart of that. And so whatever's going on, what's going on? Right? Discuss that with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to stand up in front of everybody and confess publicly. In fact, I recommend you don't do that. <laughs> Father, I have sinned! <laughs> Just take care of it privately and God will honor that. If you need to make amends somehow, make amends. But uh, whatever it is, kill the weeds that are choking out your blessing. And so the first thing in all of this is identifying and rebuking negative thoughts and words. Okay, uh, does your phone have a tape recording? Can you record yourself on your phone? Okay, just put it on record and let it run. Let it run all morning and then play it back and see how you sound. Did one time you ever say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I pray the power of God. Do you ever get into that mode? Or is it always children of Israel in this situation murmuring and complaining? Okay. Hello? And like we said, over the years, things get automatic. And you don't even realize how things hurt you. Amen. So, remember in Christ, you're supposed to look forward. You can't drive your life looking through the rear view mirror. 
You can try and you'll end up in a ditch. Remember, you're a child of the living God. Amen. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Word of God is alive inside of you, and that makes you alive and full of power. You are able to fight the good fight of faith and win. You are able to break every curse that's been passed down to you. Maybe it was not your fault, it was something spoken over you, something someone else did to you. Somehow, some way, this thing landed on you, and you're acting a, 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 a way that's contrary to the Word of God. The good news is, things are about to change. Things are about to improve. Faith is coming. Strength is coming. Boldness is coming. Confidence is coming. Amen? And it may take a few times, right? I wish we could just go, bam! You got it. Bam! And, you know, that'll get you started, but you're going to have to pick up your cross daily until you get the victory. And you will get the victory if you don't quit. Now, number two, real quick, stop reliving past mistakes. Did you ever see that movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? He plays that cynical weatherman who's covering the annual Groundhog Day in Pennsylvania. And due to a series of events, he becomes trapped in a time warp. And and he's forced to relive the same day over and over and over again. It's like Yogi Berra. It's deja vu all over again. And so, while he's doomed to relive this until he gets some things right. And this is what's going on in many Christian lives. They're reliving the same mistakes and they're dooming themselves to live in the mistakes of the past, even though that's all under the blood now. And so, you just have to remember, I'm a born-again believer now. I have God's Word, the Holy Ghost, uh, inside of me, and that's going to help me get past my past. Say this with me. I will get past my past. Past mistakes, past memories. No longer on autoplay. No longer constantly repeating themselves. No more rehearsing the curse. No more being your own worst enemy. The good news is Jesus Christ is alive in you and He's your hope of glory. So no matter what happened in your past, remember, you don't live there no more. My past, I don't live there anymore. I'm a new creation. I've got a new beginning. I don't live back there. Right? And then finally as we close, don't allow the past to define your self-worth. Once you begin to realize you're a new creation, everything changes. Hallelujah. Right? You've got that new beginning. You're not defined by your sin in the family of God. God doesn't define you by your worst moments. Your worst experiences. If God doesn't define you by the worst, you need to stop defining yourself by the worst. Amen? Amen? You're a child of God.
Come on, somebody. You're forgiven. Curses are broken. God loves you. You're accepted. Amen? So as we close today, let me say this. You've been given every access to every spiritual blessing. It's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You have the keys to the kingdom. They're in your hands right now. And God wants His flow of power, His promises to go through you, to to surround you. He wants to smear that anointing all over you so that you're realizing, thanks be to God, I've got great potential. Thanks be to God, the possibilities are unlimited. I can do all things through Jesus Christ. I have the life of God and the power of God in me. Any broken heart will be healed. Any sin will be forgiven. Any curse will be broken. Every obstacle will be cast down. And you will be able to focus on the future. Focus on your destiny. What God has in front of you. Because it's absolutely true that your best is yet to come. Say this. My best is yet to come. If you receive that today, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen and amen.